We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network and our friends over at Game Time. Make sure you follow along throughout the show and get a code for some uh, extra cash through Game Time. Okay, week 15 in the books. It is wraps. Nathan and I have returned from the to- frozen tundra. From Lambeau, we were there, we did the thing. Norm, uh, Papa Powell was screaming at all of the the bum Packer fans, making sure that they knew his bucks were top dog that day. So we are here, we are back, and it was it was a fun it was a fun couple of days with my good pal Nathan. Nathan, I know you're on dad duty today, but how are we aside from you know babysitting your own kids? You know, it's called fathering these days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was uh, fun uh, getting to escape. But then, you know, you got to let mom go to Target because you were away for the weekend watching the Packers. So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're dadding and podcasting. I'm sure that no one's ever done it as well as I'm about to do it right now. But, you know, uh, Jake Browning, he's the Vikings daddy, right? Apparently, that, that does seem to be the way this works. Uh, never should have cut the kid. Uh, I'll give it to him. He has... He has been uh, he has been tearing it up. So uh, I guess our, our first topic with that Jake Browning reference will be, in fact, Jake Browning has looked, I mean, pretty darn good over the last three weeks, uh, not only in fantasy, but just NFL wise in general, averaging like 25 points per game, 26 points per game over these last three weeks, uh, the first couple of weeks versus Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Not uh, not the best showings, but again, this is a practice squad quarterback playing behind one of the NFL's best, and he showed up when he needed to. So big games versus Jacksonville, Indy, and then this week a solid start against Minnesota. A QB won all three weeks. Getting T. Higgins back certainly has helped, but Jake Browning has looked the part. So I guess my question is, is, is Jake Browning for real? I think he's for real in terms of he's for real going to be a perennial backup, he, which honestly, I, th- I, I was a guy who had many Jake Browning shares in Debbie and none of them have lasted till today, uh, as it would make sense. Cause he's, you know, bounced around the NFL a little bit and hasn't really done much to this point. But I think that w- to be a long-term backup quarterback in the NFL, you only need a small stretch of games where it's like, this guy knows what he's doing. And then that kind of buys you a few years unless you're just in- completely incompetent. So I think this kind of cements him as like a very rosterable backup in Superflex. 
I do. I would be a little bit more intrigued by his value if he wasn't basically locked to the Bengals right now. He is a, an IRFA, an exclusive rights uh, free agent, which uh, I have a fantasy league that is dictated by NFL free agency. And I've learned that basically no IRFAs ever go anywhere. Um, so I would assume that Jake Browning, unless there is a trade that occurs, will be a Cincinnati Bengal. And honestly, I don't think from both a Browning and a Bengals perspective, I don't know if that's a bad thing. You know, if we just know, okay, Browning is Burrow's backup, especially if you have Burrow in your Superflex, you know, we don't often talk about handcuffing quarterbacks, but maybe handcuffing Joe Burrow. Not that he's some sort of quote-unquote injury-prone guy, but he has had some injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I think that if nothing else through this from a dynasty perspective, Jake Browning has secured that he is worth a roster spot. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that maybe that has been in question over these even the five weeks because those those first couple of games while they weren't you know amazing performances, he, he still looked the part. I mean, we're we're talking about like a seventy five percent completion rate over five game stretch, which that's pretty darn good, even if it is just the dink and dunk stuff. But we saw the great play to T Higgins. Everybody keeps talking about it. Obviously, very very smart play by T, but it's also a good pass. And there's plenty of those to go around from Jake Browning. So, yeah, with the Urfa thing, I think if there is any movement, like you said, it's going to be a trade. And the only thing I, I can really think of would be a team truly in need or maybe seeing these performances and saying, yeah, he can be he can be a bridge quarterback for us into one of our young guys. So I think there's a non-zero chance he becomes, you know, an actual trade bait for the Bengals. But I also think you know, kind of along the lines of your thinking is why not keep him? Why not just have a worthy backup quarterback in case your, your stud goes down like it did this year, keeping them alive, keeping them in the playoff race. And it's, it's one of those things too, where in the NFL, if you don't have a serviceable backup quarterback, your team is dead. I mean, look, look at what happened to the jets. Obviously they didn't, we didn't know what they were going to be with Aaron Rodgers, but we have to assume when it's Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be at least, you know, mediocre and they have been nothing but bad. Same thing with, with uh, you look at like Kansas city when Mahomes is out, that team, that team is just not it. Uh, there, there's plenty of different, of different versions of these backup quarterbacks that don't work. The Vikings, you know, Dobbs came in, it was magic. And then Jaron Hall and now Nick Mullins. Uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But when you've got a guy, you know, young enough like Jake Browning, that doesn't have a lot of tread taken off the tires quite yet. And seems to work, obviously, in, in a pretty prolific offense. But there was a lot of credit the, given to Joe Burrow for that. And now we're seeing Jake Browning do it. So, like you, I, I think he's definitely worth a spot. Uh, and I, I think he will drum up some interest. But I think at the end of the day, he's probably going to be a Cincinnati Bengal in 2024. Uh, so we go from one quarterback to the next. We are going to talk, because I don't know that we've really actually mentioned his true value to date maybe maybe early on we talked about having him as like a mid quarterback too but yeah we, we, we certainly have not updated his his ranking in the last six or so weeks when i think that his value has skyrocketed from like oh there's this and then it's like oh there's this right so brock purdy obviously you know absolutely taking the league by storm blowing up scoring points left and right uh, I mean, the main talk of, of the MVP race, even, which who would have thought that? So we stand today, Nathan, Brock Purdy. Is he a QB one? Yeah, I, I think that that's when things get difficult, because when you start to look at an actual like QB ranking or QB ADP list and you're trying to decide, OK, who is he below or who is he under? 
the guys that you're comparing him to, like, are Anthony Richardson, which I would lean after what we've seen in 2020-2023, that Purdy is a good enough NFL quarterback that he has secured himself over Anthony Richardson, over Justin Fields. I think the more intriguing conversation is Kyler and Tua. Um, I, I think that Kyler and Tua obviously have, or not obviously, I do think that Kyler and Tua have higher upside due to, you know, their throwing abilities and their and Kyler with his running abilities. But for now, I think from a floor and median perspective, I think that Purdy belongs behind CJ Stroud, maybe ahead of uh, Trevor Lawrence. So in that QB seven to eight range. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to argue with that. You, you know, you, you go down the list, Mahomes, Hurts, Allen, Lamar Jackson, Herbert, Burrow, Stroud, even though I think I have Stroud up a few spots, even with the injury. I still think Trevor Lawrence is there, even though, I, you know, I've, I've, I've made my doubts known. And yeah, I mean, I'm putting him ahead of Anthony Richardson. He's ahead of Fields, Dak, Kyler, Tua. Uh, I do have Tua higher than than most because he has looked good when healthy. But I, I think Brock and Tua probably consume that like nine ten spot, and I would say that they're interchangeable, uh, just because I think there's still there's still a little bit of a volatility with them, only because a Tua with his injuries, and now you're looking at Brock, who maybe he's a system quarterback, maybe he's a product of all of the weapons, maybe it is just the Kyle Shanahan difference, but at the same time. We're watching him make these decisions live. We're watching him, you know, make these reads, make these plays, make these big time throws. This isn't all underneath, you know, making making no real plays. He has been balling. And it, it's it's pretty incredible to see kind of where he came from and, and that whole process being Mr. Irrelevant, the whole bit. So I think I think eight, nine, ten is his is his spot. And if we look down the list at fantasy performances using our fantasy uh, uh, fantasy point summary or looking at the NFL Stat Explorer through Rotoviz, that's a wall of green, Nathan. <laughs> He's seventy one percent of the time a QB one in fantasy from week to week. He only has four games where he is a QB two or QB three. And his QB three week, he scored more points than the QB two weeks. So I'm going to go ahead and say that was an outlier. And then the other, you know, bad games, I suppose. One was against Cleveland, and we all know how that defense is. One against Minnesota and one against Seattle. Otherwise, he's basically a lock for 22 plus. And with those weapons in, in his decision making, it's hard to believe that this isn't, you know, sustainable. Yeah, I agree. And we talked about this a little bit with Tua and his nice value and how much is connected to Tyreek and Waddle. And it was like, yeah, okay, he might be reliant on Waddle and, and, and Tyreek to have a sustainable production. But those guys aren't going anywhere. And the right. same can be said for Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey. Those guys are all signed or will be signed long term. That trio is going to be in San Francisco long term and is going and Brock Purdy is going to be a beneficiary of it. So even if he is like a system guy or reliant on his weapons, guess what? The, we the weapons aren't going anywhere. So I think that can be definitely be a, a, a cop out of sorts if you're trying to rank Brock Purdy lower. But yeah, no, I, I think that in terms of his. His floor, very solid, and his ceiling, like, we've seen more of his ceiling than we expected with that 71% of QB1 games. Like, before the season, you're like, oh, is he going to be consistently a QB1? I'd be like, I mean, I think he'll be a consistently a QB2. But the fact that the QB1 almost every single week, 
you, you pretty much have to make him a dynasty QB one. Yeah, I mean, and I get not wanting to put him above the other more talented guys, the guys that have the the legs. But Brock Purdy is QB three in over, I mean, in, in points and points per game. He also leads the league in touchdown passes, and he's only thrown seven interceptions. The only quarterback with a better ratio is C.J. Stroud, who is now out for the season because of injury. So, I mean, I have reason to believe he has been just as good, if not better, than all of these other quarterbacks, and maybe Patrick Mahomes. But putting him up against, put it, even the eye test, Josh Allen turns the ball over a million times. He's got the legs. That's the dis- that's that's the difference between those two. His 37 touchdowns total versus Brock's 31. That still should make that conversation much much closer. Brock is never going to be somebody that's going to use his legs. There's never going to be somebody that's going to run for 500 yards. He'll get you a couple hundred and maybe a few tush pushes, but all he does is score points and all the Niners do is win with him at quarterback. Yep. All right. Let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals tight end, Trey McBride. He actually did come up uh, in dinner conversation when we were having hibachi. You know, the guys <laughs> next to us were uh, discussing their flaming fish bowls, and we were discussing where to rank Trey McBride in Dynasty, as, as most people do at, at hibachi. Uh, I'm firmly in the camp of I think he's tied in two now. I think Sam Laporta is as clearly with his historic statistics in his rookie year has played his way into tight end one. But I think that while there may be a tier, I do think that Trey McBride sits there at tight end two right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you've got to have him top five. I, I think I think TJ Hawkinson still only being 26 and, uh, you know, Mark Andrews being 28. It's hard to keep those guys out of the top three. Laporta seems like the obvious one at this stage. 22 years old, doing what he's doing in an offense that continues to just get better, which is impressive in its own right. Uh, Laporta belongs at the top. Kelsey, I don't even think we can have Kelsey in the top five anymore, uh, which might be crazy to say, but that's kind of where I'm at. I think McBride, I would I would give even money on a deal for Andrews and McBride. I would still probably add a little bit for Hawkinson, and I would add a decent amount for Laporta. So for me, yeah, I would say I would say it's Laporta, Hawkinson, McBride, I would even consider Kincaid in that spot above Andrews, but Andrews has been so good when healthy that it's really hard to knock him. Uh, and at this stage, I'm, I'm probably even putting Kelsey behind like Kyle Pitts and, and, you know, I don't, that's probably as far as you can go considering the landscape, but yeah, it's hard to not have him top three for sure. Locked in top five. If you don't have him top five, take your head out of the sand. Yeah, look, looking at McBride's stats, he's got 11th in expected points per game, 12th in fantasy points over expectation, and 9th in fantasy points per game. And that doesn't account for the fact that he was playing behind Zach Ertz for the first half of the year. Once Ertz has been gone since week eight, he has one, two, three, four, five, six uh, tight end one games in seven games. So six out of seven of the games have been tight end one. He has one, two, three, four, five, 20 plus PPR point games. So. You know, you have Kyler coming back, obviously full-time, most likely next year, unless they invest in Drake May or, you know, one of the other second quarterbacks. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all in on, on McBride. He, he did it with Josh Dobbs. He, he's done it with Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, wheels up. He's tied in, too, for me. I understand wanting Hawkinson there. Uh, but, you know, you can get the slight age bump and potentially the better QB. I mean, not potentially. I think 
in 90% of scenarios, the Cardinals have a better quarterback than the Vikings in 2024. Yikes. That I don't agree with. I will take Kirk Cousins every day of the week as far from a fantasy perspective. Off major injury, 35-year-old Kirk Cousins over Kyler Murray. I disagree. Kyler Murray sucks. Okay, uh, let's (laughs) – before we jump into the second half of the show, let's uh, throw it over to our good friends at Game Time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. That's right. Make sure you download the Game Time app, create an account. And use code ROTOVIZ, that's R-O-T-O-V-I-Z, for $20 off your very first purchase. Thank you. Game time. Let's let's do a quick Sam Howell check-in, Nathan. Getting benched for one Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously. Let's assume this isn't long-term benching. This is, you know, hey, you sucked for a couple of quarters and we needed to take you out. We needed to try to win that game. But does this affect Sam Howell in any way for you? It just it speaks to Sam Howell's volatility. It's been my one concern, obviously, as the draft capital guy. There isn't a ton of floor when you have a, a day three quarterback. But the 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 one benefit to Howell is the at this point the commanders don't have a ton of options. Yes, they Derek can get one of these second tier quarterbacks um in the first round now that their their record is spiraling as basically the Josh Harris was firing Jack Del Rio and was asking Ron Rivera, do you want to be fired? Do you want to retire at the end of the season? And he's like, okay, you can retire at the end of the season, but you have to lose every game. I'm still a Sam Howell believer from a talent perspective, but I do think that a game like this past weekend against the Rams speaks to his play volatility. And then the other part of it being, you're going to have a new head coach. You might have a new offensive coordinator unless the offensive coordinator is the head coach and Eric Bieniemy, Is that person going to want to start anew with their own quarterback? And then I don't think that Sam Howell is the type of guy that gets traded or gets released and then finds a starting job elsewhere. Yeah, I, I think and with the volatility, I mean, the, the turnovers have been, have been, I think, mostly the problem there. Uh, 15 picks is, is not ideal. And I, I get, you know, what, what they're trying to do. Uh, the one, you know, the consistency of Sam Howell from a fantasy perspective, 
uh, I think maybe goes a little bit unnoticed. Aside from the Buffalo game week three and the Rams game this week, uh, and maybe one other game, yeah, the Giants in week seven. Every other week has essentially been a 20-point performance, and he's got three right around that 30 mark with a 35-point week against Philly. So a QB won 64% of the time. Obviously, that that doesn't necessarily translate to true NFL play, but Sam Howell is a, a real deal fantasy asset. So I think maybe, you know, kind of how we had the conversation about Purdy and where he stood in the, the quarterback landscape. I'm curious now, you know, and we've talked about Sam Howell a little bit, but I'm curious now where Sam Howell might might reside for you. Yeah, with quarterback rankings, when you get into that mid QB2, lower end QB2, it does drop off very quickly when you're looking at the likes of Kenny Pickett, Daniel Jones, Will Levis, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield. So, like, there isn't a ton of guys that I think have long-term job security. So, if we're talking about QB rankings, I'm fine putting him QB 21 behind Cousins and Wilson, um, maybe ahead of Love if things fall correctly. But I think while ranking how income, like when you're ranking how you do have to understand, I think that some of the guys around him are guaranteed 2024 starters. And at this point he is not a guaranteed 2024 starter, but if he is guaranteed, if he, no, not if he is, if he ends up being a 2024 starter, he's going to get the volume like he did this year, assuming they, you know, stay with the Eric B enemy offense. The one concern from a efficiency perspective with Sam Howell. So he's fourth in quarter on quarterbacks with expected points per game. And he's only 14th in PBR points per game. So there's a huge gap of 10 quarterbacks where, you know, if you are expecting to get four, be fourth, you, you're hoping to be a top five, top six guy at the worst. But being a 14th guy means he's getting the volume, but he's not doing enough with it. So uh, I think I'm ranking him in that QB 20 to 22 range, but understanding that there's probably going to be guys that are a, a couple spots behind him that might have more of a guaranteed starter position for 2024. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I get the the leeway with the higher, you know, the higher draft picks and, and not so much with the day two, day three guys, but this is still effectively Sam Howell's rookie season. He played one game last year. And so I mean we, we are are fifteen games into Sam Howell's career and all he has done is score points and been a, a great fantasy asset. And again, I mean Blake Bortles was a great fantasy asset. Like I understand that. But he has also looked uh, aside from turning the ball over a lot because of kind of that gunslinger mentality and maybe some poor decision making, he has looked the part and and he provides something that the that the commanders haven't really had since RG three with that running ability because Sam Howell can do a lot more than just throw the ball. They have some nice weapons. For me, I, I mean, I I have Howell up in that like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen range. Uh, I think is a conversation with him and Jared Goff. If, if it was a gun to my head, I'm taking him over Bryce Young. And you can say what you want, but Bryce Young is terrible. Give me him over Cousins, over Wilson, over Love, over Geno, all those guys. I don't think it's really even that close. Sam Howell's only 23 years old. Again, 15 games in the league. This is his rookie season, and he is performing just as well, if not better, than all of them aside from maybe C.J. Stroud. Uh, and, you know, it's similar to Brock Purdy. He's still young in his NFL career. But we've seen some elite level play from him, whereas Sam Howell has looked like uh, Kmart Josh Allen, if you will. All right, let's move on to the Raiders uh, for once. Josh Jacobs has been injured a couple times, and for the most part, when Jacobs has been out, they've had incompetent RB play. 
But they did have a decent game from one Zamir White, you know, young guy, day three pick um, from 22 NFL draft. 17 carries, 69 yards and a touch, three catches for 16 yards. I'm still very wary of any sort of boost to Zamir White here. But I think what this does do, an effective game while Josh Jacobs is out, what it does do is if they move on from Josh Jacobs, which I think is the presumption with the, the, the continued franchise tags, then I think that Zamir White is the favorite to start in 2024 until free and in the NFL draft. Yeah, and, and I do think it's inevitable that Josh Jacobs is gone. But Zamir White to me has always just kind of felt like another guy, just a you know someone to throw in there. But a, a solid game, and if anything, yeah, it, it'll open up the eyes to to maybe the Raiders to look at him a little bit more long term. I don't think I don't think he's ever going to be a starter level running back, but when you kind of have to revamp the position in a place where you're losing your your franchise back, I guess anything is possible. But I also wouldn't put it past Mark Davis and the Raiders to draft a running back way too early for absolutely no reason when they have so many other needs. That just kind of seems to be the way. If there's somebody that runs really fast, you know, I'll be rolling in his grave if Mark doesn't take him. So, yeah, I, I don't really think there's any change in Zamir White. I think it was it was nice to see a game from a, a player that at one time was a Debbie darling. I know he was, he was highly sought after in those places for some time, but uh, never really translated to the NFL. But good to good to see here and and like I said, I'm sure he'll stick. I'm sure he'll he'll be like an RB two in on the Raiders roster. I just don't ever see him as like a full time starter. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on to one of my new favorites, somebody that. I either drafted or picked up absolutely everywhere. We got to see him live this weekend, Nathan. Dontavian Wicks. Uh, I I said it while we were at the game. I didn't feel bad about it. I think the Packers need to accept that Dontavian Wicks is better than Christian Watson. As much potential as Christian Watson had, because he was going to be better than Justin Jefferson, according to that one guy. Dontavian Wicks in a very limited role, has has looked pretty darn good. Now, the points haven't really been there uh, until, I mean, a more of late. Quiet start for, he was a day two pick. Was he third round pick? Yeah, I mean. He was a day three pick. Day three pick. So he's, he's kind of been all over the board. We see a little bit of a boost this week at home versus the Bucks, where he's he puts up about 16 uh, PPR points. Previous high had been, you know, 12. We've done it a couple of times. But it hasn't really been consistent. Jordan Love hasn't been consistent. That offense hasn't been consistent. They seem to really like Jaden Reed as well. But they seem hell-bent on getting Christian Watson back. And he's very clearly not ready to be back. Obviously, he missed this game as well. So, Dontavian Wicks, I mean, is he is he going to be a name in Green Bay for time for some time here? Or is this like a, you know, kind of a, the random guys are catching passes, but they'll move on? Yeah, there was one thing in uh, – so there's a few things, but more so one thing in Dontavian Wicks's college profile that made me excited for him. Uh, obviously, 6'1", 210, very good size for a wide receiver. But in 2021, he had 57 catches for 1,203 yards and nine touchdowns, 21.1 yards per catch. So definitely a big play threat. Tailed off a little bit in his final season in college, which probably ended up in, in, in him being that day three pick. But I'm with you, like – I'm fading Christian Watson and I'm like, let's see what we can get more of with Dontavian Wicks. Definitely a guy who I'm interested in. I do, I do think he's behind Jaden Reed, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Jaden Reed playing more of that Debo Samuel type role in that Packers offense. 
And so, yeah, I'm very interested in Dontavian Wicks uh, long-term, definitely the type of guy, especially if you're the type of person who wants to like get rid of your third round rookie picks, Wicks is an interesting guy to, to send out offers with, with your third for, because he like, he's going to have similar hype to that rookie hype, assuming, you know, people are looking at him as a potential wide receiver two for the Packers. Yeah. And I know that there was a lot of there, the, one of the big concerns, not, not only with the production drop off, but his dropped passes were, I mean, astronomical. I think he had something like 15 dropped passes in two seasons, in his last two seasons in college. So watching him now and seeing him, seeing him high point everything and, and focusing on making the catch. I mean, we watched him. He made some really nice grabs and it's always with his hands. He's never body catching. He's never arm catching. He just seems so clean. The routes could be better, but he always finds a way to get open. And even if he's covered, he's finding a way to go up and get it. And six one two ten is good size, but he's, I mean, he's no Mike Evans. He, he's, he's not your prototypical 50, 50 guy, but all he does is win those battles. So I think along with the big play threat stuff, even though he ran a pretty pedestrian 40 time, he can turn anything into a big play as can Jaden Reed. And I think Romeo Dobbs is nice as well. I think you've got three kind of no name guys there right now that all bring something different to the table and can, can provide some good weapons for that offense. If Jordan love can ever figure it out. But I, I feel like they're just going to force feed Christian Watson if he's healthy because he, he looked good at one point in time for a little while. Yeah, and then the next question with the Packers, obviously, other than is Jordan Love good, which it seems like we're training the direction of no. But the other Packer receiving question that I'm interested in is Tucker Craft. You made fun of me saying that I thought he was going to be the blocking tight end because Luke Musgrave was a receiving tight end. When when Luke Musgrave has been out, Tucker uh, Tucker Craft has been serviceable. Um, he did score a touchdown on Thanksgiving uh, for the nine point game. So in his last three games, he's had three uh, last four games. He's had three tight end one games. Obviously didn't take a ton to get tight end one, nine points, 10 points and 15 points this past week in, as he scored a touchdown as well. So where are you at with Kraft? Is he pretty much a tight end premium deep league only play? Is he, a, at, you know, you know, 24 to 25 man roster. What, what do you think about the roster ability of Kraft? And is it more so just, this is a uh, while Musgrave is out play only. I think there's part of that. I think there's one thing we can agree on is that he's better than Josiah Degara, <laughs> which I will so never very, let. Very low, very low bar to exceed. <laughs> <laughs> which I will never let the Packers forget. Uh, yeah, I mean, see, the problem is, is, is it was very clear that the Packers preferred Musgrave early, and we didn't really see a lot from Musgrave. Where now, you know, 15 weeks in, and over the last five or so weeks. We're seeing more Tucker Craft. We're seeing him seeing him make plays. Again, the bar to be a tight end one in the NFL isn't super high when it comes to fantasy points. So the three of his last four games, he has scored 9.5 or more. And three of those four games, he has been a tight end one. So, I mean, it's there. The problem is I still think that they're going to prefer Musgrave in that role, even though I do think that they're going to run a lot more 12 personnel just because of Jordan Love. And he needs all those little dink and dunk plays, even though you have three guys that can that can provide that option as well in in Wicks, Reed, and Dobbs, plus you know AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones as well. There's there's plenty of weapons, so 
I do still think that they're going to prefer Musgrave unless Tucker Craft just, I mean, if he just turns it on and doesn't look back, even if he is the better blocking tight end, they might be able to flip Musgrave for something uh, if somebody else wants him. I, I think, I think that was maybe a mistake pick. If I'm, if I'm not, uh, if I'm not being too, <laughs> too out of bounds there, I, I, I think they did better with the craft pick because I think he's a better all around where Musgrave is just that receiving tight end. And I don't think he's a very good one, but they drafted him or they draft him, and you have to at least vet that process and, and figure out if he can do it or not. All right, let's wrap up the show with Justin Fields bears talk. Justin Fields from an NFL and fantasy perspective has been pretty good since returning from injury and has done so with winning games for the bears and almost pulled out a, like, they were leading and then blew the lead and almost had the miraculous Hail Mary as we were sitting in the hotel room uh, that bounced out of uh, Darnell Mooney's legs. Now, I pretty much, we've pretty much said, and I, I'm, I'm more so myself, have said all year, Justin Fields' stock is heavily connected to the Bears winning games in terms of is he going to return with the Bears? But also the other problem with it is it's not only just the Bears winning or losing games, but it's also the Panthers winning or losing games. And the Panthers through 15 weeks have all but locked up that number one pick. So with this being said, at this stage, two questions. If the Bears have the number one pick, do you see any way that Justin Fields is the Bears quarterback in 2024? And then B, if he's not... What kind of return do you see them getting? Is it a second round pick? Is it a third? Is it less than that? Like, who is going to end up paying up for Justin Fields if the Bears end up with the number one pick? I still think that he's going to be worth at least a first. I think he's proven enough in the NFL when healthy that he is very dangerous. I mean, he, he can do all of the things that Lamar Jackson does, even though Lamar Jackson is very much unappreciated. Justin Fields is on that trajectory. He's got the legs. We've seen him make the throws. We, we know it's there. It's piecing it all together in a place with weapons, I suppose. So, I, I mean, selfishly, I would like for Justin Fields not to be a Chicago Bear and put him somewhere that has a solid team around it and is just, you know, quarterback away. There's not really a lot of those options. But, I mean, imagine him in, like, Pittsburgh or something. Uh, Atlanta with not Arthur Smith. (laughs) Atlanta with anything that isn't Arthur Smith. Like, give me Atlanta with Hugh Jackson. Honestly, I I would take I would take Atlanta with Hugh Jackson and Justin Fields, and we would be absolutely in heaven. That would be that would be so much fun to watch. So, I I think if if they get that top pick, which it seems like they're going to, you kind of have to take Caleb Williams, or you put all of your bet eggs in the Justin Fields basket. You trade that pick for an absolute King's ransom, get him all of the help he needs, fix all of the holes you have, because that's the kind of value that Caleb Williams will bring in a trade is you can fix a team with one player. Look at what the Cowboys did with <laughs> Herschel Walker. Uh, this is a little bit different than Herschel Walker, but you can make that kind of trade. So I still think Justin Fields is an NFL starting quarterback, and I I think he very much belongs in that top half of starting NFL quarterbacks. I just yeah, I, don't I think, know. I think the only concern with him. with Fields and the Bears and and doing the whole trade the number one pick again 
thing is that they've already done it and yeah. that the team is better than last year. Obviously uh, they've won five games, but it still hasn't taken to the next level like in a like kind of weak division, not nothing too exciting happening. The Lions have had a good year, but I wouldn't say they've been unstoppable. So yeah, in terms of long-term with the bears, my presumptions are a Justin Fields trade and a Caleb Williams pick. Um, but in terms of like what I'm hoping for, what I think would be best for the bears, I kind of lean towards let's keep on loading up for Justin Fields. And I agree. I mean, like I said, you can get so much value from that top pick, especially because it's Caleb Williams. Now, last year, I think the pick had less value. Uh, there's a lot of years where the pick has less value. But, man, it's it's hard to ignore that that Caleb Williams stock and, and not at least you know dip your toes in the water just to just to see. So I'm sure they'll do their homework and figure it out. But I, I do think that wherever Justin Fields goes, he is going to be a problem because I think Chicago arguably was one of the worst situations for him to go to. And it's gotten slightly better, but it still isn't a great situation. So yeah, Atlanta would be probably option one. I think Pittsburgh is going to be due for one of these quarterbacks. And if they can't get their hands on a good one in the draft, which I don't think they'll be able to because they just have won too many games. Justin Fields may be the option. You throw that that first round pick out there and and try to grab them, and maybe they accept a second. I would doubt it, but maybe. I, I think there's and I think there's more options than that, but those are two I think more appealing ones, uh, especially you know with Fields, the Ohio State, and then you put him in Chicago. He's he's used to the the weather and playing outside. I, I think he can do just fine in, in Pittsburgh, especially because they have some weapons as well with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. You know, the the skeleton of Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. You have Patty French fries. There's there's some there's some decent meat on that bone that hasn't really been it, it hasn't really been seen because you've had Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and now Mason Rudolph. So yeah. Justin Fields, still worth it, still a high end quarterback in my humblest of opinions. And I, I kind of look forward to see where he goes. Yeah, that'll be a huge storyline as we go through, you know, February, March, April. Um, but any last words on the Bears? Other than Darnell Mooney should be sent to an island. Yeah, send him to the XFL. <laughs> All righty, that should wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and make sure to subscribe to Rotoviz RV Radio 2023. Uh, Christmas is coming up. Um, it's a great stocking stuffer. Um, you can even write, like, print it out on paper and put Nathan Powell said it's a good stocking stuffer. Um, yeah. I, you have my approval to do that. Um, many people have, have sent me in the past that they've done that. By many people, I mean zero. Um, but if you do it, you should you should definitely um, definitely let me know that you did it just so I can continue to say that every year. Yeah, and if you do it, make sure you take a picture of it, send it to Nathan, he'll sign it, and then mail it back. There, there we go. So many, <laughs> and that, that's like the, the, the next NFT is Nathan Signatures. There we go. All right. That should do it for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Kadosh. Shout out, Addy. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.